I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Aaron. Today on the show, do you want to live in a digital house? Well, you can. You can buy one NFT'd. Bitpanda raises $170 million. And we're talking decentralized social media. What does it all mean? That's coming up today on the Decrypt Daily. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Today is Tuesday, March 16th, 2021. Just a reminder to all the listeners, if you want to come on the show or you want to ask any questions that I will answer on Friday, listeners' questions answered episode, send me an email, matthewaron at decrypt.co. Now let's get into those crypto prices. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. And I'm recording this at 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. And the number one spot is Bitcoin at $55,507, down 2.3% from yesterday. Ethereum's in the number two spot at $1,795, up 0.3%. Binance in the number three spot at $256.63, down 0.4%. Teller, number four. While Cardano's at number five at $1.05, down 0.8%. Polkadot's in the number six spot at $34.87, down 1%. Total market cap, we're at $1.7 trillion, with a BTC dominance of 60.7%. Getting into our conversation today, we sit down with Bill Ottoman, the founder and CEO of Minds.com, which is a decentralized social media platform. We talk about what a decentralized social media platform is and the pros and cons of it. And don't forget to stick around after this conversation for headlines. Hey, thanks for having me. 100%. Bill, Minds.com, what is it? Minds is a crypto social network, fully open source privacy-focused, transparent, decentralizing, and basically trying to do everything the opposite that the mainstream big tech social networks are doing it. All right. Then if you say the opposite, what does that mean? The opposite? The opposite. I mean, they're all closed source. So almost none of them share their source code. So there's no transparency with regards to algorithms, surveillance, all that kind of stuff. We're fully open source. Just check out developers.minds.com. We don't require any personal information. Actually, we tell people that don't give it to us. You don't have to. You don't, you certainly don't have to identify yourself. And we have encrypted chat so that we don't even have access to the conversations, even if we wanted access. We're trying to minimize as much um, information that's even possible for us to access. And then we have a full Web3 infrastructure so you can connect any crypto wallet, engage with people, tip people, earn tokens. And yeah, we're, we have a few different decentralized components of our stack. We're trying to decentralize as much as possible. The thing with social networks is there's a lot of heavy lifting, lots of big content. So it's definitely a progressive process to, you know, take one piece of the stack at a time and try to decentralize. 100%. So I guess what I'm hearing is that minds.com is an alternative social media that's working on the blockchain that doesn't take your data and you're completely anonymous and you're not monetizing people's data. Is that what I'm hearing? Correct. Though we do try to monetize people as much as not, not monetize people's data, but we help creators earn revenue. So we actually have a rev share program through minds plus where we take 25% of 
our revenue for those subscriptions to Minds Plus, which gives you access to this exclusive feed. And it also gives you the ability to post content into that feed. If you post popular content into that feed, we proportionally give you a cut of that chunk of our revenue for participating. Additionally, we let people set up their own membership tiers, similar to Patreon. Um, and we are working on, uh, to well, we have uh, token rewards as well for engagement that you receive. Now, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but why is this needed? It sounds as though this is uh, like decentralized social media is something that is needed because we see the way that Facebook or Twitter interferes with the post, interferes with the voice of certain people or certain ideas or certain feeds and maybe stops accounts or, you know, deletes accounts. Why? And of course, I'm putting, I'm not putting words in your mouth. I'm just trying to frame this. But why do you feel that minds.com is needed in this current environment and how can it help in this current environment? Well, yeah, the, the censorship angle is, is key that I, I didn't mention. And so we have a fully free speech policy based on the First Amendment. We're a U.S. company. And that's simple. I mean, the, the terms at Twitter and Facebook and Google, I mean, their terms make no sense. They have no consistency with regards to why they're banning certain people, whether it's crypto channels or political channels or, you know, even just a, a random meme. Like it's, it's, it's gone completely haywire. And the problem is that we have no access to see what the censorship algos are even doing. So um, you know, I think that there's, there's a huge need for more transparency, particularly more control for users, more voice for users. I mean, literally none of the big networks have that. But you do have terms of service. So it's like if there's freedom of speech, I understand that they're all, there is a slippery slope. We don't have to go down that slippery slope. But if it's 100% free speech, but you do have terms of service, where is that line that is going to be drawn by Minds.com uh, that says you went too far? Yeah, sure. I mean, generally, we try to stick to the First Amendment as much as possible. There are some edge cases with like malicious spam and, and, and harassment. And obviously, you know, true threats of violence aren't allowed, but that's illegal in the U.S. anyway. So we, we try to stay as close to that line, you know, the, the legal line that that already exists. Hate speech, racism. Is that part of free speech? That is part of free speech, unfortunately, um, but also fortunately, because here's the thing. So we partner with Daryl Davis, who's a de-radicalization expert. He's converted over 200 members of the KKK. He's a, a black man who befriends KKK members and gets them to leave. How do you get people to change their mind who are extremists and racists? You talk to them. You have to give them a platform to speak. Otherwise, you can't talk to them. It's just a matter of communication. So we do have like very robust NSFW filters. We don't want anyone to have to see any stuff, that, any, any content that they don't want to see. But you have to understand that the internet is interconnected. When you ban people from one platform, they just go to another platform. All the peer-reviewed research on the topic of censorship, it pretty clearly shows that it causes more extremism, more violence, more radicalization and polarization when you ban people. So even though it's with good intentions uh, from these big social networks, you know, I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. They're actually wrong. They are causing more extremism to be fueled. So, you know, th there are th there's way for civil discourse to happen that doesn't involve censorship. You just said an acronym, and I just want to make sure everybody heard that is NSFW, not safe for work, correct? Correct. Yeah. Okay, excellent. 
you have experienced a lot of growth during this time because of the shutdown of certain social media sites. We do not want to name names. Social media sites have been taken off or deplatformed and people have been moving for to look for other alternatives. And so you've seen a, b- a bit of growth. I heard it's around 2.5 million users or I'm sorry, registered users right now and about 300,000 active users. Is that correct? No, we're actually over 4 million registered now. But yeah, it's a, that, that's generally ballpark. Yeah. Okay. So 4 million and then about like half a million active. Yeah. How do you see this growth and how do you see the social dialogue playing out with the growth of a decentralized social media? I mean, the thing is that the reach is being strangled so much on places like Facebook that even though they have billions of users, it's literally irrelevant when even if you have a million followers on Facebook, you're only reaching like 2% of them because their algo won't even let your own fans see your content. So the the thing about Minds is that there's a a very active community and you're, there's no restriction on, on your posts for reaching your fans. And we have this whole boost mechanism with the tokens so that you earn tokens, you can use the tokens to boost your posts and you can get more of an audience. So especially for like medium-sized content creators, they'll find better engagement on Minds than on Facebook and Twitter. So the big numbers are irrelevant if you're not reaching anybody. Understood, understood. I guess... When I asked the question about growth and the deplatforming of other social media networks is I'm also wondering about your idea as a company and the direction you want your platform to grow. If people are coming from a platform that's been uh, deplatformed, they are from, let's just say, a certain mindset or a certain uh, maybe demographic or a certain community, and then they move over to you. And do you think that it is beneficial to be known for, say, as a platform for X, you know, say they're always going to try to pigeonhole. So here's the thing. We started, you know, we launched our, our first app back in 2015. Our initial wave of growth was mostly progressives, like privacy focused. You know, this was during like the Snowden NSA revelations. A lot of uh, progressive activists, journalists joined. That was our first wave of like a quarter million users. And then, you know, granted the the whole Trump thing happened. And so more conservatives got involved with the free speech issue. But but we honestly have a pretty healthy balance of left and right. And we do as much as we can from the company's voice to not polarize. We're like those those other platforms you mentioned, they from the top down are trying to be like the conservative free speech social network. We, especially in the crypto space, it's people from all across the political spectrum. It's, it's not one or the other. So obviously media will always try to pigeonhole. They like to have buzzwords, but we're really not as easy to, uh, polar, uh, to polarize or uh, pigeonhole. I, I, totally, I totally understand that. And I wasn't trying to pigeonhole. And actually, you know, I didn't try to make it a, a conservative, no, I'm, a conservative I'm site. I, but I, I did see like there's different patterns. For example, um, Facebook, you know, they started out with colleges and universities. And for the first couple of years, they were just a college site. You know, um, when mines got another surge, if I remember correctly, it was like when Thailand was, you know, worried about banning and uh, censoring their content. And so a lot of people went from Thailand came to mines.com. So even if you're known for as an Asian uh, social media site, I mean, do you, I was just wondering from a, a growth standpoint, is that something that you're, you're encouraging? Like, hey, bring it. I'll be known as that. I just want growth as right now. Or I mean, you're trying to keep it more open. Absolutely. In the sense of if we're a beacon of internet freedom for marginalized communities globally, 
that's great. I'm, ha- I'm, I'm, I'm proud to, to be that place for whatever marginalized community is in an authoritarian country or, um, you know, people who have been unrightfully banned from other networks. That is certainly a purpose that, that we're trying to serve. And at the same time, we're just trying to be a, a great place for like art and music and for content creators to get the word out about what they're doing. Paint a picture for me, the future of social media. Well, I think that it's, we're trying to make it a place where there's not like one ring to rule them all. You know, we're, so, you know, anyone can launch an instance of minds, set up a node. There are a couple of projects doing that right now. I think of the future of social media as, as certainly more decentralized with major hubs. So, you know, the problem with like, you can't put the entire social network on, for instance, Ethereum or even a blockchain in general, just because it, blockchains weren't built to handle all the data on a social network, but there's, there's multitude of decentralized tools that are emerging in correlation with some centralized tools for certain purposes. So I think it's going to be, there'll be nodes doing different things. There'll be different projects, IPFS, Arweave. We have a major integration with Arweave, which is decentralized content storage system. You know, there's LivePeer, there's ActivityPub, which is a federated protocol. There's Matrix, which is a federated protocol as well. So there's all these puzzle pieces that I think are going to coalesce and we're going to start to see uh, interoperability between a lot of these different protocols. Last question I have is comes from an Andreas Antonopoulos quote, and I, I have to preface this a little bit, so bear with me. Uh, he said in a, I think it's when I met you the first time was F Denver. He was speaking there and mm-hmm. he said during the speech there, he said, you know, there's no attack vector for Bitcoin. You can't arrest the creator of Bitcoin or the CEO of Bitcoin. That's why Bitcoin is forever going to be around. And you're not, it doesn't matter who's out there to try. You can't get the miners in, in China because there's still miners in America and in India and in South Korea and so on and so forth. There's an attack vector for you. If you are really promoting free speech, somebody gets injured or some government doesn't like it or, or whatever. And this builds to a point where they say you're a problem. They can come get you, Bill. How far do you go with this? Sure. I mean, we look, anyone can set up a node and we encourage that. You know, the beauty of Satoshi, we're, we can't replicate, unfortunately. Sometimes I wish, like, hmm, maybe we should have fully anonymously released everything and <laughs> try to be like completely under the radar. But, you know, I, I'm, I want to be able to go on podcasts and, and, and talk and, and be transparent in that sense about what we're doing. I mean, we do have a company that we didn't release this as like a company list project. And, you know, in the same way that Ethereum and, you know, other really successful crypto projects uh, have, you know, we've gone down the route of, of doing a company. We are community owned to a certain degree. Um, over 1500 members of the site actually own stock. Um, so we're trying to create more of a cooperative corporate infrastructure. You know, we're doing the best we can. We're, we're not as pure as, as Bitcoin, which is a, a tall task for anyone in the crypto world. And my question wasn't how pure you were. Is I'm asking, how far do you go? Look, if there's pressure put on you, because this could be the new wave of social media, there are things that the government or things of people or special interest groups are going to say, I don't like that about this. I don't like that we can have you know this sort of speech on there and nobody can do anything about that. And then they're going to say, where's well, the CEO that is right there? Let's get him to make it sure he can shut it down or we'll arrest him or we'll put him in jail. How far do you go? Sure. I mean, I think that our process is to decentralize as much as we can so that it lives on regardless of us. And, you know, that's just 
something that is going to happen, have to happen over time. And I'm not going to sit here and tell people to, to trust me or trust us, like keep, keep building, you know, let's, let's build uh, an interoperable decentralized social network together with, you know, multiple different protocols working together. So absolutely like support a multitude of options. We need to be resilient. We need to be protected um, against every type of situation, including what you're talking about. So I'm not, um, I'm not sitting here trying to say that that's not a risk in any sense. Understood. Understood. And I'm going to just go to finish this off on a higher note. What do you want to see you bill out of minds.com or any decentralized social media platform in the future? Core. I want to see total transparency. What, what kind of rubs me the wrong way with a number of alternative social networks, decentralized social networks is that they're not even open source. So to me, you're, you're literally not an alternative if you're not open source. Open source is the foundation to even have a conversation. If it's not open source, it's not an alternative. And because how could there ever be interoperability or any sort of uh, confidence in what's going on if, if, if there's no transparency? So I see too much happening in the crypto space where there's these proprietary closed source projects, you know, with big marketing language about how they're the solution. But like, honestly, closed source and crypto is a paradox in itself. Mm, mm. Bill Ottoman, CEO and founder of Minds.com. Thanks for coming on and talking freedom of speech and social media. And another news. Do you want to buy an NFT house? Well, let's just start here. Have you ever used like virtual reality or Oculus? It is absolutely amazing. Look, the technology has come very far. It has a long way to go, but it is super immersive, super cool. And well, somebody's trying to capitalize off of this. And they're making a digital home that went on sale in First World. A Canadian contemporary artist named Kirsta Kim has created Mars House. And it's a digital home that has been made available to buy as an NFT. How much you're asking? If you're in the market for a digital house, it's around $60,000 as of today. Probably more bids are coming in as we speak, so who knows what it's going to sell for. But $60,000 for a virtual house. They believe that you're going to live your life in VR or AR in the future. So might as well stock up your VR goods. (laughs) Super interesting. I'm not buying. Still really dope technology. Austrian cryptocurrency broker Bitpanda has raised $170 million in a Series B funding round led by Valor Ventures. And Valor Ventures is backed by Peter Thiel, who is the co-founder of PayPal and Founders Fund. And he's also responsible for Vitalik dropping out of college to do that, you know, thing that he does. You know, the whole Ethereum thing. According to a press release shared with Decrypt today, this boosts Bitpanda's valuation to $1.2 billion. South Korea regulators threatens Bitcoin startups with jail. So what happened was an amendment to a financial reporting rule mandates that all cryptocurrency businesses must now file records with their transactions with the country's financial intelligence unit, which is their anti-money laundering watchdog. They have to do this by March 25th. If they don't, $44,000 fine or five years in prison. We in the crypto space all know Ledger offerings, Ledger Nano S, Ledger Nano, Ledger Blue, and they also have their institutional client, I don't know, product, which is Ledger Vault. 
But they're adding consulting to this as well, and it's going to be called Ledger Enterprise Solutions. I guess it's kind of like be a whole thing. Well, this new business unit is focused on cryptocurrency custody for businesses and companies like Tesla, Banco Strategy, that have put billions into their balance sheets of cryptocurrency over the past year. And they're like, hey, we wanted to make sure that you want to use our product, and two, you know how to handle all this. So Ledger Enterprises might be for you if you have billions and you're an institutional investor and you're listening to this show. Make sure you tell them that I sent you. I don't get anything for this, but make sure you tell them. Maybe they'll throw me some Bitcoin or something. I don't know. Probably not. Anyway. And finally, trading platform eToro going public via a $10 billion SBAC or a special purpose acquisition company, also known as a blank check company. Now, this is a shell corporation listed on the stock exchange with the sole purpose of acquiring a private company, thus making it public without going through the whole IPO process. Now, another special purpose acquisition company that's been in the news recently is Churchill Capital because they're doing the same thing with Lucid. And Lucid is a Tesla competitor making electric cars that is going to go onto the stock market. So basically, they're going onto the stock market as Churchill Capital. And then somewhere down the line, bada boom, bada bing, they change their name to Lucid and they're Lucid and they're the car company. Kind of crazy. Don't know how that really all works, but that's what they're doing with eToro as well. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. Please go to Apple Podcasts, like, subscribe, share, and leave us a comment. You can also send me an email, matthewaron at decrypt.co. By the end of these podcasts, my mouth is always so dry and my mouth is so sore. It doesn't matter how many times I do a podcast, I just start getting mush mouth by the end of all of these. Anyway, have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Happy hodling. <laughs>